I have to tell the people about the Patreon. Yes, you do. Patreon.com slash SMDB. SMDB, like so many damn books. For just a dollar, you can join up and you get access to all the exclusive content that I record just for the Patreon. Also, you get to join the book club. The So Many Damn Books book club. It's been some of the best conversations I've had about books. It really always sounds like a blast. I usually like come home and just hear like giggles coming from the library. So it's a great time. You should join. And I would love to have more people join the fray. You may or may not know that Christopher runs this whole show himself on the hosting side, on the technical side, everything. This is a one-man show, truly. He does it all. Support your boy Christopher. Even at the dollar level really helps. So uh, join up patreon.com slash smdb i'd love to have you patreon.com slash smdb on with the show i've got that that mountain dew that sweet sweet dew just coursing through my veins now yeah i think you have to do the dew i think that's what they they ask you to anyway i always thought that was drugs No, it's just, well, I mean, it is kind of a drug. It's 77 grams of sugar. (laughs) So many, so many, so many damn books. Uh, I'm Christopher. I'm Drew. And this is So Many Damn Books. We are in the damn library with Edgar Cantero. Edgar, thanks for joining us uh, on the show. Hi, welcome. Welcome here. Edgar is a writer and cartoonist born in Barcelona in 1981 and the writer of the supernatural enhancements and the most recent novel, which also just hit the New York Times bestseller list a couple weeks ago, uh, Meddling Kids. And uh, this is your second novel in English, uh-huh. but you've also written a couple novels in Catalan. Yes. Uh-huh. And uh, you've just moved to New York too. So welcome to the city. Thank you very much. It's yeah. great to be here. Christopher, you got to tell us about the drink that we're sitting here drinking because... None of us can really kind of take our eyes off of it when yeah. it passes in front of our vision. Yeah, it's I I tried to I tried to go a little weirder with this one because your book is is a little weird. Um, and also <laughs> it also I wanted to catch that like youth spirit. Um, so. The first one I thought of was a freezing Mountain Dew as an ice cube to use as the Mount because I thought like I've always liked a drink that changes as you drink it, um, and so Mountain Dew ice cube as it as it melts will make this drink sweeter and more caffeine charged. I guess <laughs> uh, I only realized there was caffeine in Mountain Dew um, about a few minutes ago, and uh, it's great. Uh, but, <laughs> uh, but on top of the ice cube, it's uh, gin creme de violette. Uh, a, a tablespoon of mixed berry jam and a juice of an entire lime. And I shake that up and then pour that over the ice cube with a little bit of seltzer. And uh, yeah, it's purple and green. It tastes like a little bit like alcoholic ecto cooler, if you remember that high C flavor. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm calling it the Zoinks River, which uh, is, of course, a reference to your awesome novel, Medellin Goods. Yeah. <laughs> you had me at sweet and caffeinated, really. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, this is a weird one, but I'm proud of it. Speaking of pride, I don't know. <laughs> sometimes you, we don't... I have to learn this every time. You like, don't need, we don't need a transition. You don't need a transition. That's what we have music cues for. Mm-hmm. 
let's do what you buy. What did you buy, Christopher? What did I buy? Um, it's a good question. Well, actually, we got sent this book, um, this really cool, very photo-heavy um, book called Living the Airstream Life by Karen Flett. And uh, for those who don't know, the Airstream is that teardrop aluminum trailer. Those really beautiful, they look like Zeppelins. Yeah. Like land Zeppelins, which <laughs> takes the point away. But regardless, they're very beautiful. Um, and this was sent at a time in my life when someone asked me, like, what, if you weren't doing what we were going to do, what would you, if you weren't doing what you do, what would you be doing instead? And I was like, eh, I'd probably buy an Airstream trailer, gut it, put a bunch of books in it and drive it around the country, <laughs> <laughs> selling them out of the back. And they were like, well, that's specific. <laughs> Oddly <laughs> specific. Yeah. Uh, and then I get the, sent this book in the mail like a few days after I've like made this thing up for the answer to that question. I'm like, uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't believe in coincidences or signs, except for I super believe in coincidences and signs. So uh, I'm not sure if that's telling me I need to do this other dream of mine. <laughs> but you joined me, right, Drew? You you joined me on some legs of the Airstream. Some legs of the trip, yes. Yeah. You'd have to. Yes. That'd be fun. Yeah. Yeah. I'd let you quit your job and go do that, and then I just <laughs> sort of fly out and meet you in fun places. Oh, great! Thanks, yeah. man. No I appreciate problem. it. <laughs> uh, Edgar, what did you buy? Uh, what I last bought was um, a paperback copy of uh, uh, *The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe* by C.S. Lewis. Oh yeah, what what Which, inspired that? Uh, but first I was uh, the Strand, and I had to buy something. I felt like it because I had <laughs> been browsing for an hour, but. Uh, um, I'm at a stage where I'm trying to, um, you know, those uh, canonical lists of uh, 100 books you must read, uh, mm -hmm. whatever. I had been reading just only uh, trash, poppy uh, science fiction for like a year or something, horror, that kind of stuff. And I decided I had to, you know, uh, go to the classics again and, uh, and tick some of some titles of the list. Right, so, and so uh, that's one uh, of them. C.S. Lewis is one of them. Yeah. Well, cool. I, that's a great one. Yeah, that is it's a great one. One of my favorites. Um, Drew? I just got Sing, Unburied, Sing, the new Jesmyn Ward novel. Wow. Uh, which was long-listed for the National Book Award. A friend it, of the show, Isaac Fitzgerald, can't shut up about it. Yeah. <laughs> it. I was sort of surprised, pleasantly surprised, to realize that it's... It looks like it's actually maybe a ghost story. Somebody mentioned that it is basically uh, a, her version of Beloved, Toni Morrison's Beloved, in wow. terms of like you don't realize it's a ghost story until you start reading it, and you're like, oh. Um, so I'm I'm pretty stoked about that. I might try to sneak it into my spooky October reading list. Beautiful. <laughs> That's so cool. Yeah. <laughs> Let's um switch gears completely into the gear of meddling kids. Your your novel. Yeah. Um. Do you want to tell listeners of the show what the book is about if they uh, if they might not have encountered it themselves? Uh yeah. Well, it's about uh, um, uh, eighteen detective gang and the lines of uh, uh, in Blyton, uh, the Hardy Boys, Scooby Gang, that kind of thing. Who uh, uh, for once they met. Uh, something that was actually evil, not mm -hmm. a, a, a criminal that uh, was at their level, a sheep smuggler, that kind of thing, but actually <laughs> uh, something really dark. Mm -hmm. And it's got them forever. And uh, then uh, 13 years later, they have to reunite to uh, face their demons and see what happened uh, on a, a dismal night in a haunted house where everything seemed to collapse around them. 
Wow, that's, yep, that's the book. Yeah, I mean, and it, it is exactly like all of you who are listening going like, oh, shit, I think I'd really like that. You absolutely would. It yeah. is it is one of those books that is just, it's written for us geeks who like watched Scooby-Doo cartoons and wanted to be those kids or who like would sort of walk on the other side of the street past the like slightly spooky looking house. Exactly. But then always thought about like, but what if we could go inside? <laughs> Everyone, I mean, think uh, everyone as a child has had this kind of uh, detective phase where they wanted, you know, and we have we have all uh, uh, formed gangs like that <laughs> and tried to be detectives like that, and uh, and I blame uh, uh, society for not giving me cases that lived up to my expectations <laughs> because I I think I would have solved the shit out of them, but yeah. but it didn't happen. Right. <laughs> there there were no sheep smugglers exactly. in, in, in Brazil. And actually, the, 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 the very uh, the dark thing is that if we actually had uh, come across a, a, a villain, an actual villain or a criminal, uh, it wouldn't have been something as uh, innocent as a sheep smuggler or a money forger or right. that kind of thing. It probably yeah. would have been someone who would have pulled out a gun at us <laughs> yeah. and killed us. That's <laughs> much less fun. <laughs> it's just not fun at all. Um, but, I mean... Along with this really fun story, and I, I completely agree, like this this uh, instinct to be a detective um, that you're tapping into, this is just written in so many different styles. And like you go from like screenplay description into like, you know, very literary description into like very pulpy. And I'm just curious, you know, how did you form your style? Uh, well, it's, it's, it's not many styles, it's just mine, which is a composite. I... I Try. I tend to uh, 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 borrow tools from any place that I think uh, is, is suitable. Mm -hmm. Like uh, the thing about many people are shocked about this when I uh, I switch to a, a script form. Mm -hmm. When instead of a dialogue saying he said she said, I go into like uh, it reads like a play. Yeah, it's just actually I only do it because it's uh, uh, you know uh, uh, sometimes even a dialogue there's more than two speakers and uh, uh, I want to keep the rhythm I, go, I want to keep things flowing but uh, it, 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 it's an obstacle to have to mention every time he said she said and also, also I, I wouldn't settle with he said she said you know because I, I want to play with verbs I, I would say he asked he counter asked he replied <laughs> he retorted right <laughs> <laughs> so the, the quickest thing to do is, is switch to, to, uh, to screenplay form yeah and it and it works so well because it makes the it makes their conversation between the four of them super rat a tat and and fast. Yeah. Well, and there's something really cool. This is true about the supernatural enhancements as well. The way that you you are so joyously playing with form in general, where it's just like suddenly in the supernatural enhancements, you turn the page and now you're reading the transcripts of a security camera, or in meddling kids a chapter appears to end and then the next line it's somebody shouting something at the at the attempted end of a chapter and yeah like, i remember that <laughs> <laughs> is it an ins inspiration thing or was it like something you were really trying to create your own like a i don't know exactly i, I, I uh, uh, but uh, i think this kind of meta thing really works i don't know why but uh, um i i think that we, we simply i mean people respect the fourth wall because of an, you know, one of those old rules that we we just uh, settle with, but we never question it. 
frankly, I mean, I had a, a, a friend in Spain who was also a screenplay who said uh, people are always uh, bitching about breaking the fourth wall. Smash the first one, for God's sake. <laughs> <laughs> I feel exactly the same way. I mean, uh, the fourth wall is just to convey everyone while reading my book knows they are reading a book. Right, so right. there is no, no, no wrong in, in mentioning that, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> It seems like you like to point to it because some of your references, like like the Zoinks River, which is the name of the river in Blighton Hills, which is itself a reference to school. One, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so there's all of these little references, and um, and sometimes they would take me not take me out of the book, but they would make me realize you were making a reference very like much like yeah you're gonna know what the zoinks river is that's a re- reference to shaggy you know it's uh it's my way to uh, acknowledge uh the uh inspiration i mean the sources i'm borrowing from it seems like also a way to acknowledge the artifice too like yes you're reading a book yes i'm telling you a story but we're gonna have a good time yeah it's, it's difficult to uh, uh it's difficult to claim the country right i mean it, it's difficult to to uh, pretend that uh, uh, this is a completely original story that wouldn't exist without the context of Scooby-Doo and Lovecraft and all that. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I, I think it would, even, it would even be pedantic to try. Oh, I, think- I, I would rather uh, embrace it, you mm-hmm. know, say, yes, I, I, I watched a lot of cartoons as a child and, <laughs> and, and this is the problem, you know? <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> you've heard the um you hear the what the book is about you do think about something like stephen king's it but it's like it is much more like a hp lovecraft and then like into horror and about like trying to get to the root of what we're afraid of and i feel like meddling kids was taking the other way and saying like why don't we look at like why we tell stories and like what why you'd be interested in telling a story about your life um, and so it felt, but then of course you've got these action sequences that are like completely not, not like anything else. And they're much more like really actually like Jackie Chan, like I like sort of described action sequences that go on for pages, which were really fun. I like the Jackie Chan comparison a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I, the truth is I, 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 when I write a book, I usually, what, what comes to my mind, the model I take is not other books, but mostly I like how, uh, movies uh, uh, said, you know, uh, the three acts, and I, I tried to think of that. I, mm. I think in those terms, like, uh, uh, you know, Die Hard would have a, uh, not Die Hard would have action sequences anyway, but, you know, like a, a, a horror film would have a, an action sequence here in the middle. It would have something big, something exploding, something like that. And I, I tried to imitate that pattern. Mm. And and I, I try to, that's, that's the beat I like to follow. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> have a question knowing that you have written in multiple languages what is what is that like are you translating yourself are you writing in catalan and then translating are you no, writing I'm, uh, um usually when i uh when i write a book you you see it in the in the, in the uh i i started in the language and it's, it's going to be published in so cool. yeah, meddling kids was uh, i started it in english and actually one of my frustrations with catalan there are more but uh, uh, one of the reasons why I, I switched languages and in Supernatural Enhancements I changed to English was, was that uh, I, I was being uh, influenced so heavily by uh, uh, English language media, like the movies, TV shows, uh, video games. I, I always bring up video games. Uh, that uh, The truth is that English felt like the natural language for it. Mm. And Catalan and Spanish 
uh, uh, seem like you know uh, if you, if you try to, to 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 tell that kind of story in Spanish or Catalan, it sounds kind of artificial. Mm. Like the the language, it's, it's it's not made for it. That you notice that especially in action sequences, like it's impossible to write a a a, a very quick. Uh, a car chase sequence like the one you have in meddling kids I, you can't make that in catalan for the simple reason that you cannot use one syllable words in catalan <laughs> at all <laughs> and and, and it, it frustrated me a lot yeah. huh. so i decided to change to english just for that cool. wow that's so interesting have you ever uh this is purely selfish just because i want to read more of your stuff have you ever thought about translating your earlier stuff into english uh, Are yeah you doing it i uh we've Considered it, yes, but uh, here's the thing. I mean, uh, there's two novels in Catalan. The first one, I wouldn't translate it at all because I'd rather forget it. <laughs> <laughs> the second one is, I, I think it's interesting. I'm so proud of it, and it's been like uh, six years. But uh, um, but I, I'm not sure it would work very well here in, in America because it was, it was in Catalan and also quite Catalan-themed, so I'm not sure mm. how it would work. But on the other hand, um, my next book, and I think it's safe to say this now, Great. it's actually cool. something that uh, 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 I wrote in Spanish before, uh, uh, before I started Meddling Kids, and it wasn't published in Spain because nobody liked it there. <laughs> and uh, I, I translated it to English. I showed it to my editor and my agent, and they said, oh, my God, this is the best thing you've ever written. Oh, cool. So apparently, uh, uh, yeah, that would be my first English novel that is a translation. Oh, wow. Wow. Uh, oh, I just got so excited. <laughs> uh, Me too. <laughs> <laughs> There's this huge tradition of H.P. Lovecraft, and but the actual text itself is a little forbidding, and like it doesn't... It, it isn't very welcoming. Like, how did you find a passion for H.P. Lovecraft, which is so evident in your third act of your book? Uh, well, there's uh, uh, there's stuff to love about H.P. Uh, Lovecraft. Um, the thing I, I I love the most is that I think he was like the the he was a, a, a nerd of the uh, of the beginning of the 20th century, and he had this. Uh, uh, nerd gang around him like you just mentioned it earlier i think there's there's a losers club around <laughs> the Cthulhu mythos you know like uh, robert howard claire Cashton smith uh, that kind of people who uh, wrote for um weird weird tales was the magazine yeah right? mm -hmm. and um yeah i think it's 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 they are a lovely uh, gang of geeks uh, you know uh, borrowing from each other names and that kind of thing they created this sort of uh, open universe mm -hmm. in a way so mm. you you feel uh, you feel comfortable uh, uh, tapping into it and borrowing names from them too and, and, and participating in that mm. did you uh, do you did you consult any grimoires yourself like did you were you worried about uh, pulling a nate and uh, <laughs> unleashing something in your research for meddling kids Mm, no, but wait, let me think, because there are a lot of spells in meddling kits, uh, <laughs> and uh, some of them I, I think I, I, I borrowed from Lovecraft himself, and some of the stuff I made up, and um, I actually have a grimoire, because I, I, I have a copy of uh, The Lesser Key of Solomon, I think, is that the title? Cool. cool. Yeah, I have that, it's a, it's a terrible edition, like, uh, but, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's funny just to read the names and uh, <laughs> the devils and the kind of thing. I think Neil Gaiman had that one too, because he borrowed a lot from it too. Yeah. <laughs> 
Supernatural Enhancements, I read it and I just, I still think about that book and Mm -hmm. how fast I flipped for it. Because it did feel like for one of the first times uh, reading somebody who was, was speaking the like subliminal language that I and my friends understand. Mm-hmm. It just like the sort of let's throw every reference into the pot and yeah, we're going to smash every wall. Yeah, th- because there's a, a there's a tendency when you write a novel, you think that you're supposed to, to um I don't even know how to say this, but you have to create uh, uh, like a character not not as a narrator, but as an author. Like you're not supposed to uh, uh mention some stuff that would be too vulgar, too lowbrow, too silly, because you're trying to write a serious thing. And books are usually regarded as more serious stuff, more serious right. culture than movies, TV shows, etc. Um, and uh, I just, I just don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think they are on par. I think uh, uh, both very highbrow books and 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 cartoons are made for entertainment, and I write for entertainment. I want to acknowledge that. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> Well, it works. Yeah. God, <laughs> meddling kids is so fun. It's really fun. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> so we've been talking about your references and, and the things that sort of inspired you. And uh, the book that you had us read is actually, this is the first time that uh, an author has done this. None of you, us read the same book. Yeah, because you said, just read one of the... The famous five series uh-huh. of of Enid Blyton, and I personally um, hadn't read any Enid Blyton at all before. She's not read in the states, really. Yeah. Or, or if she has, she, she she isn't anymore. Like it was actually kind of difficult to locate an ink print copy. I know, and this is the thing that I discovered gradually. Like uh, 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 the the pitch for this novel when when I had it, uh, 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 you know, written up in, in a whiteboard at my home in Barcelona, was uh, famous five meet Cthulhu. Okay, that that was going to be meddling kids. There was no Scooby mention at all. Right, and um, then I pitched it to my editors here in New York. Uh, during a lunch, and I said, "Okay, this is going to be Enid Blyton meets Cthulhu," and they both said, "Who's Enid Blyton?" And you're like, "Oh, like, oh, fuck!" <laughs> <laughs> and then I, I quickly say, "Okay, uh, remember the Scooby Gang? Well, it's the Scooby Gang, less uh, horror themed, but still, it's going to be horror themed. So whatever. Right. Two boys, two girls, and a dog. That's it. Uh, and yeah, that that's how they bought it, and that's when we started bringing uh, references to Scooby Gang inside it because uh-huh. I, I hadn't thought of it uh, at the time. And uh, but yeah, Enid Blyton is is uh, yeah, she's British, and she she was still read in in Spain in the seventies, eighties, but apparently mm. not in the United States. No, and I would say that they're much more like as far as a, a touch point. A t- cultural touch point for them i think they're much closer to you know like like that book you bought lion the witch on the wardrobe they may remind me much more of um those kids than they do like any scooby-doo gang or well anything. there's so i actually ended up doing a little bit of research sort of by accident after you said enid blyton and i was like how how do am i not familiar with this because i read as a kid i read the happy hollisters i read the bobsy twins i read tom swift you read the happy hollisters i read the happy that's Ho- actually rarer than enid blyton i i i, I my, thought 
my thing was three investigators which is also there's what uh, yeah th- those aren't yeah I, I know them though those, those are the two, those yeah. are the hitchcock yeah ones Alfred exactly. hitchcock presents. yes now i remember so yeah. i discovered that the happy hollisters the bobsy twins hardy boys nancy drew tom swift they were all published by the stratemeyer syndicate uh-huh. and like holy shit do i want somebody to do a book by this guy so that guy, he would write all of the like story beats for these stories. But then he also stories. set up the yeah. this idea that like has has lived through to today with like the Animorphs and K. Applegate, the idea that a single name will write all of these stories so that the authors can change, but at the same time, like you will always get the same reliable thing. Smart. Yes, very reliable. Yeah. <laughs> Enid Blyton, in fact, was a little like this uh, straight mayor guy, only this time it was true. <laughs> she, it was a one-woman act. Wow. Because uh, uh, she wrote like a lot of, she created a lot of series besides uh, Famous Five, and there's like 20 or 30 books for each. There's right. one series that is still in print in the States, and I think it's just called like The Adventure Series. It has some adventure in the title. Mm-hmm. Yes, I have read those too. Uh, this thing's, here's the thing, Enid Blyton... Uh, I think she wrote through the 40s, 50s, and 60s. And um, the problem is that the books have not aged really well because, because of... <laughs> yeah, uh, it's kind of true. Because of uh, well, blatant sexism and racism. Yeah. Uh, and I think that made them less popular here also uh, because every country has its own tradition of, of teen detectives. I, I know of examples in, in Germany and in Sweden too. Uh but in Spain, because we ha- we were living in the 70s, we're still, we were still living under uh, Franco's dictatorship and political correctness was really not a thing, we could import them as is and they were translated as is and we were all fine with it. Mm-hmm. So uh, uh, I, that was not my time. I was born in 1981, but uh, uh, my sister had used to read them and uh, they were at home. So that's how I became acquainted with them. I oh, read. Yeah, which one did you get? Uh, five go to mystery more. Okay. Which one did you read? I read five go adventuring again, which is <laughs> which is the sequel. It's actually it's, just it's, number it's obviously two. a sequel. Yeah. But it's number two, and it's funny because like they go back for the first time, and so I kept thinking that the title was because I kept forgetting it's five goes adventuring again. I kept thinking it was five came back. That, <laughs> no, a, different thing. It's a different thing. It's a war documentary. Uh, it's quite different. Than, I, <laughs> than I must button. ask, uh, the one in, you said Mystery Moor? Yeah. That's the one with uh, 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 gypsies uh-huh. and horses? Lots of very racist stuff about gypsies. Yes, I, I remember that one. Yes, I've read that one. It made me think of um, like the only other cultural touch point I have that has a similar sort of like, ooh, that got dated real fast is uh, from Russia with love, both the Ian Fleming novel and the film mm. where like in the middle of that movie, there's just this scene where like Sean Connery goes to a gypsy encampment and like max on some girl fights a bunch of people. And then you're like, what did this have anything to do with the movie? And they're like, it was in Fleming's book. We don't know. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's another, uh, uh, um, connection that comes to mind as 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 uh, you know 
racist attitudes that age very badly, which is uh, Lovecraft himself. Yeah. I, I said uh, I, I, there's a lot of stuff to love about Lovecraft. There's a lot of stuff to hate about Lovecraft. That is one. Yeah. In fact, I think before meddling kids, the only thing that united Enid Blyton and Lovecraft was racism. <laughs> <laughs> Um, <laughs> but after meddling kids, you get you. There were a couple things that I just was smiling at immediately. Like, um, there's a character Georgina who would rather be called George, just uh -huh. as Andrea in in meddling kids would rather be Andy. Yeah, and um, and of course the Weimaraner Tim, which yeah. is named Tim in meddling <laughs> kids. <laughs> um, and and uh, I don't know. I I love I love when a book goes a little bit into like a dog's perspective and um. Both Enid Blyton and you like decided to jump a little bit into your dog, your dog's mind, and I appreciate both both jumps. Yeah, well, um, let me start with this. The thing is, uh, uh, um, Enid Blyton uh, uh, created so many of these series with different sets of boys and girls, and and usually a funny animal or two <laughs> that uh, 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 that they were. Uh, uh, most of the characters were always devoid of personality, really. Like mm -hmm. they were uh, very cliched. Much more than than uh, uh, the Scooby Gang, which you remember was a jock and a stoner and a pretty girl and a nerdy girl. But uh, no, <laughs> it, was, it was it was worse in in, in Blyton, where it was uh, uh, boys will be boys, girls will be girls, and the dog will be dog. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> and in the Famous Five, uh, uh, the only character that 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 uh, uh, you know that, that stuck out was uh, uh, Georgina George right. yeah. because she was a, a, a girl who wanted to be a boy which was also something like pretty groundbreaking at the time mm. and I knew I absolutely knew from the beginning probably it's the reason why I, I said let's do a famous five mid Cthulhu thing it was that if, if I take a, a famous five kind of gang and make them as adults then the, the star needs to be the girl who wanted to be a boy mm -hmm. that's absolutely she has to be the lead because there's no point in, 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 in trying to infuse the others with a personality that didn't have at the beginning. <laughs> and, and because it's actually the character that means something to a lot of people. Mm -hmm. right? Like there's, there's, there's a lot of stories in, in, in countries where uh, Enid Blyton was popular saying, uh, like, George was the first character I felt, I felt identified with, you know, uh, that kind of thing. Mm. Like uh, the first uh, 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 non-cis girl in British literature, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> somewhere in nineteen forties in child in children's British literature, yeah. So, uh, uh, so yeah, it was a big thing, and it had to be respected. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, it did. Yeah, and like those other characters really are completely interchangeable. Well, like, yeah, you don't even need to know their dialogue tags. Like, <laughs> yeah, you're exactly. Just like, and at, at some points, uh, Enid Blyton drops a dialogue tag and then just talk, and I didn't miss. Like, I, I wasn't like, who said that? It didn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> the kids are talking. <laughs> uh, yeah, it didn't matter to her, and it doesn't matter to you as the reader. Um, mine all focused on secret panels. Um, oh. It was all secret panels all the time. In That's my, cool. In, in mine. I uh, love a good secret panel. Yours was obviously treasure... Uh, finding no it was, <laughs> it was i remember it started in a stable no mm -hmm. they're like riding schools yeah they're like staying at like a ranch slash horse riding school uh there's another girl who wants to be a boy henrietta exactly. yeah and she goes by henry. henry and george is pissed <laughs> oh, that's like, basically to be a boy is my thing that's exact like that is the plot of the book there's also the ancillary like 
they ride off into the moor because they heard it was haunted and there's a spooky mist. And what are these gypsies doing? They are helping funnel uh, counterfeit American currency from France into England. See, money forgers. The, the kind of, of criminal that uh, it the also, teens can, can be. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They're just like, and the gypsies are like, and they're like, ah! and then it, the cops show up. Okay, see, but mine is, is so much weirder than that. <laughs> <laughs> go on. Yours was early, so she had yeah, to really, it was, you know, go big or go home. Uh, some uh, Someone's dad I can't, I, is writing some philosophical treatise that's amazing. It's this idea that's going to change something. And the character, the the nefarious tutor that's making their holidays—it's a Christmas book, by the way. Oh, perfect! I don't for know you. how I don't know how I chose the well Christmas done. one, but it it goes deeply into what presents they get and like <laughs> <laughs> their Christmas tradition, which is like sixty pages of the book, and it doesn't matter at all for the plot. My book was that too—the first fifty pages. I was like, "Are we? Is there a mystery that's going to happen?" And they're just like, "We're hanging out at riding school." <laughs> yeah, it's nice. It's fun, but the, and then yeah, the plot revolves around the tutor stealing three pages of the idea and fencing it to three of to two painters cool it makes no sense great the the actual plot (laughs) i'm just like what did they actually what were they trying to accomplish (laughs) it's such like a like kids solving a mystery that they're like yeah he was stealing the papers and it's just like but why for what purpose? <laughs> what if the philosophical treatise was a, was a, a, a grimoire? Oh, that's exactly. What if she was uh, talking about alternate dimensions where uh, uh, you know eldritch beings are lurking, <laughs> waiting to take over the earth? That's, that's <laughs> that would make a lot of sense. That would make a lot of sense, and then it would be, make your book much less um, original and inventive. Um, <laughs> if that's what was exactly going on. I have to admit, reading these these things back to back in the back of my mind as they're like as the mist is creeping in over the moor i was like no there are gonna be some supernatural monsters in there for sure you kids should probably go home Um, and i was so disappointed when there weren't (laughs) yeah that there wasn't it was just the mist and i was like oh all right they got lost bummer yeah uh 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 there were many horror-themed adventures of this kind because, uh, you know, uh, any Blackton knew that uh, horror sells. Yeah. But uh, no, I, I don't think she ever went into supernatural stuff for real. Like, she was... The, Her loss. Uh, she was from the uh, uh, guy in the mask school. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm, I'm curious. You've talked about it a little bit already, but in... In taking these Enid Blyton novels, and do you feel as like, are you hoping that people are going to go find them and be introduced to them? Or is this more of like a fun Easter egg for people who are in on the secret, for people who've listened to this podcast? Yeah. Well, I'm not sure. Do you think if, if people now started, I mean, if for some reason we made we made uh, Enid Blyton popular again, do you think people would have it easy finding uh, material? <laughs> Well, I I had to buy mine on Amazon, and I got a yours, print it, on demand you, copy. You, is yours here? I just yeah. I want you to hold it up, yeah, just because. You. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a very ugly print on demand yeah, edition. and it, and it <laughs> arrived a little mangled, and I was just gonna return it back to Amazon, and they were just like, just keep it, and we'll return <laughs> you. The, the, actually, the the ones I I I uh, 
we have back in Spain are, are pretty nice from the uh, 1950s with uh, the kind of uh, watercolored uh, uh, covers and everything. Oh, those are so cool. Yeah. And that's what well, I was hoping the UK to... also just has done. Uh, I want to say it's a it's a 70th of mm-hmm. something of the first famous five. Maybe I don't remember. But relatively recently, because I went and I looked, because after having so much trouble here and finally finding one and reading it, but it was it was not as janky as Christopher's copy, but it's like <laughs> still pretty terrible. Mine doesn't have. There's hardly any question marks. Um, it's just right arrows where question marks should be. Great, which is just like that's. I wonder why Enid Blyton <laughs> <laughs> chose to use. <laughs> but I in the UK, I do know like she is still popular, and in a way that I wonder. If Famous Five are the equivalent of the Hardy Boys and Nancy Drew over here, Absolutely. where those omnibus editions that I was seeing online and you could get from like a couple different used outlets, they all looked like where you could get like the first five Famous Five or whatever. They look so much like my Hardy Boys, yeah. which were five Hardy Boys to get that that, that we bought at a. Uh, Costco. I mean, I remember they were like shrink wrapped and there was like three of them, but they had 15 right. Hardy Boys in them all together. I think the characters and, and the series uh, and even the author, any Blackton, are still fairly popular. The thing is, uh, um, if they are being reprinted, I'm, I'm sure they are edited for uh, uh, for our times. For, poli- <laughs> for political, not for political correctness, just for, you know, for, <laughs> for uh, civilized society. Yeah, basic human decency. <laughs> exactly, basic decency. <laughs> and, uh, but no, she, it, it, it's still, it's still a thing. I mean, I, 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 I have seen, uh, in his Wikipedia article, I've seen uh, photo stills of a, of, a, uh, of a cartoon show of the famous five. Yeah, and there was a, probably the, British made. Uh, there was uh, a television show in the seventies as well that I was looking. Yeah, at. There also was there's clips. also a, a real uh, real action. Uh, yeah, live yes. action seventies. Uh, but there's a cartoon show uh, uh, from the I think it's uh, late nineties or, or early two thousands. Oh, cool! And. Uh, and it it makes a point of of breaking some of the of the uh, uh, race taboos thing. Like I think uh, their George is uh, uh, mixed race too, and uh, it's essentially them. It's the famous five, but they all uh, ride skateboards. <laughs> <laughs> that kind of uh, uh, late nineties cereal box aesthetic, you know? Yeah. <laughs> oh, cereal box aesthetic. I, I like, like that, that a lot. My my real favorite mystery series growing up was Boxcar Children. Oh yeah, and that's what I was thinking of a lot. Although I, what I was thinking about Boxcar Children is, and especially is different for Famous Five. Is Famous Five? They're all very rich. Like yeah. the four of them, they seem to come from a lot of money. They have like, they like find gold, and then their parents help. are like, "We'll hang on to that." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the Boxcar Children are homeless. Yeah, and I wonder if that was the only pitch. They were just like famous five, but they're homeless. <laughs> <laughs> but they live in a boxcar. Yeah. I do. I wonder what, I mean, at some point I imagine I'll have kids and I'll find this out, but I wonder what the, the series are now. Cause I don't, I don't see them happening in quite the same way where like boxcar children, they're like 200 of those things. Hardy boys, Nancy Drew, they've got to be half a thousand at this point. That was something that I I was I was thinking was maybe a, an influence on meddling kids um, was Lemony Snicket. I feel like that that series, the mm. series of unfortunate events, have have you no, encountered those? I haven't those? read it uh, or seen the movies. Um, the- I I just was I just thought maybe because Lemony Snicket does some of that textual joke 
of like leaving space and being like, oh, I wanted to, I needed to take a break that was very energetic and like, <laughs> and and so like there will be like a blank page that you turn. It's like, oh, good, I took a rest and now I'm back. And um, and there was there's a little bit of that in meddling kids and supernatural enhancements. So I wondered. No, it's, that one is coincidence, but uh, the. I think the closest thing I've read as in a child series that lasts for so long and that's been, uh, it's also American made, but it's been very popular in Spain was uh, R.L. Stein's Goosebumps. Oh, yeah. oh yes. That's must but, be the But uh, still that, I mean, it was never the same characters, I right. think. Like, right? Just uh, uh, every once in a while, like Slappy, Slappy. came back a couple yeah, times. Slappy. The Haunted Mask mm-hmm. stuck around for a while. I think there were four Haunted Masks, if I remember. There's I like... have the original run of Goosebumps in my bedroom at my parents' house. And they've been like, we kind of want this to be a guest room. Can we move? And I'm like, do not <laughs> touch do not move the Goosebumps. The goosebumps. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> Well, I mean, I would recommend just going back and finding a book from your childhood of of any of anything like this. Maybe grab a famous five if you can find one. But I don't know. Like these are these are so much fun, and it's oh, yeah. fun to just see the structure, like of of a book of how they sort of won you over as a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think that it really like the hangout portion of the book was probably my favorite part. Like when I got to the mystery, I didn't really care as much. I liked the hangout. <laughs> where they're just like all riding on the horses at some horse stable for a while. Yeah, that says a lot about a rider when when they managed to to, to create a characters in a setting where you actually don't care about a plot. Yeah, just, yeah I would hang out with these kids for the rest of my life. I don't care if villains happen. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Why don't we um? Why don't we recommend things? Why don't we move to recommendations? What sure. do you think? Cool. Let's do it. We read some pretty cool books. We recommend you take a look. Yeah. Do you want to recommend something, Drew? Uh, I will. I there is there is one other book that I have read in recent memory that has hit me in kind of the same way as the supernatural enhancements. And I read it, uh, maybe a year apart. Um, it's called the library at Mount Char by Scott Hawkins. Mm. Uh, it is another kind of just like go for broke. I'm going to come up with this crazy world where the sort of pitch and the, the way that you enter the book is that it's these young people. Uh, they've been living in this house, their patriarch father, figure who might be god is dead or missing and they all have some powers of some kind and they just like it the book just goes from there um it is it's spooky as hell it is a lot of fun uh it wobbles a bit towards the ending but like it's a tough thing to to sustain that level of just gonzo like whoa for a while um and so if you read either Meddling Kids or the Supernatural Enhancements, and then you go read the other one, and then you're like, but I want more of this, the library at Mount Char. Nice. Yeah. Cool. Point taken. Uh, Edgar, do you want to recommend something? I know I was supposed to think about something, and I've had uh, time to do it, but I, I haven't. Okay, I'll go. <laughs> okay, and you, think. you go. <laughs> you don't have to listen to my recommendation. You just you can. Okay. I'll... Um, I'm going to recommend... 
actually in the in the realm of um of maybe kids books or uh this is a book that i read that's um it's written for kids definitely <laughs> uh <laughs> But it's it was really, really interesting and really fun. It's actually a nonfiction book that I picked up called Ten Days a Mad Woman, The Daring Lives and Tur- The Daring Life and Turbulent Times of the Original Girl Reporter, Nellie Bly. Ooh. And I was I've just been curious about Nellie Bly for a while. She um uh this it focuses on when she uh checked herself into a uh, Bellevue medical like uh, a mental institution. And just reported on conditions there as a patient. Cool. And she had tricked everyone into getting in, you know. And then she, tr- they, what's amazing about the book and something that I didn't even realize was she had no plan on how to get out. <laughs> the newspaper Jesus. was the newspaper was like, we can't hire you. We're really sorry. We only hire men. Actually, there is this one thing that we thought maybe you could try. If you wanted to check yourself into this mental institution, we don't know how to get you out, but we think it'd make a good story. And she was like, sweet. <laughs> sign me up cool and uh at the end of it she was broken out by by somebody and she and you know she she wrote about the end of it but um she was a huge hero and that really made her name um and it got to be like she had to have her name in the headlines like it was it like this was by nelly Bly would be enough for people to read it anyway nice. it was amazing like very cool um just about her life but it would take these really cool little um asides into the time period and yellow journalism and the whole thing. And uh, as far as uh, a kid's book goes, I really, uh, I was it's very a kid's surprised book too. Yeah. I was very surprised at how uh, in-depth it was. Cool. So if you want a Nellie Bly, Deborah Noyes is the author. Um, it's a really cool book. Uh, you, you ready? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Well, since I've been dissing uh, 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 about books and, and, and acknowledging my influence, my greater influence uh, from uh, movies and TV shows and whatever, um, and since uh, uh, Stephen King's It has been mentioned before, I have to say that I saw the movie last week and it was awesome. <laughs> well, I yeah. know I'm not changing any minds. Pretty much everyone who uh, you know who, who will end up seeing it has uh, made his mind to see it, but. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, you should really go see it. Yeah, I and saw it too. It was very good. Yeah, me too. Also, it should be mentioned that uh, every time I open my Twitter and somebody talks about meddling kids comparing it to Stranger Things, I get a little stir- a little stiffy. <laughs> 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 That's a very British thing to say. Now I love it. That was perfect. Okay, exactly whatever. Right. Uh, and uh, and and of course, uh, like. Uh, uh, it is. Uh, uh, I cannot say it's a big influence because it, it came after I, I wrote the manuscript. But I, I'm really interested in see how uh, that goes. Second season is coming October 27th. Oh, oh yeah! Very I've soon. blocked out my whole day <laughs> <laughs> just to do that. I hope it is gray and a little bit rainy. It's yeah. gonna be great. I, uh, I I thought you meant the show was gonna be rainy, and I, yeah, <laughs> probably because horror, you know. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Edgar, thank you so much. This thank has been so much fun. Show. It was and a your, pleasure. Your thank you for having me. Your books are super fun. Everyone pick up Meddling Kids and Supernatural Enhancements. Um, this is the time of year to read it, too. And, uh, and yeah, we uh, we still have a Patreon, which you can go to patreon.com slash smdb. 
We still have an exquisite corpse going in our iTunes reviews. Yeah, you can add to um, Amelia Gray's uh, story that she started about us. If you'd like to, on our iTunes review page, or just write us an iTunes review and give us five stars. Either way, super great. Really cool of you. And uh, otherwise, we're just glad you listen and we like you. Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll be back in two weeks. Normal style. As things get chillier and spookier.